Coaches Impact Podcast, our mission is to get better OADB. That's right, on a daily basis. The Coaches Impact is the X's and O's of personal and professional growth. We'll talk about character, standards of excellence, core values, mindset, leadership, and many other topics on our way to living a growth mindset. Together, we'll embark on the journey of getting 1% better every day. Get ready to be inspired and gain insights into the power of coaching and the importance of cultivating a growth mindset. Get ready to broaden your impact. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Coaches Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Zeller. This episode is all about coaching, athletic administration, and life after hanging up the whistle. Today, we're talking with a guy who's been a head football coach, a collegiate football coach, and an athletic director. Joining us today is somewhat retired coach Alan Woodell. Welcome to the show, Coach Woodell. Good to be here, Jay. Nice to be with you. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Coach, let's get started. Uh, I know some of your story, but tell us about yourself and then your coaching career up to this point. Well, uh, I grew up in uh, Brassport ISD. I'm a product of Brassport ISD. And when it all was over and I retired, I decided to come back and uh, finish my coaching career here at volunteering and helping out any way I can. And so uh, it's, been a, uh, it's been a calling. I think coaching is a calling. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. uh, got out when I graduated from the University of Texas. I, uh, I uh, had an opportunity to go some places, but I uh, wanted to get back here, so I went to Angleton. From Angleton, where uh, I moved to uh, Victoria High School, assistant head coach and uh, defense coordinator. After four years, I was moved up to the head coach in there. Went through some tough times. Uh, coach understands when you go 0-10 and, and when you win <laughs> two out of 22 games, it's kind of tough. But uh, we uh, we stayed through that. Two years later, we were 10-0. and uh, Two years after that, we're 10-0 again. Wow. And I got an opportunity to go to Lamarck High School. I was able to take our program with us and our coaches with us, which is a D.W. Rutledge program at Judson, hmm. and uh, uh, put that program with some very talented young men, to say the least, who football meant a lot to, and athletics meant a lot to, and a community that meant, it, it meant a lot to. So I was semi pretty successful there. We won more football games than any other team in the state in the 90s. And uh, from there, I got an opportunity to go with R.C. Slocum called me and asked me to be his linebacker coach for the wrecking crew. Nice. And uh, won a Big 12 championship, stayed there for five years with RC. Then when he let, got let go, I, I kind of took a year off, and uh, D.D. Atley called me, and he says, hey, I, my defensive coordinator just uh, became an administrator. His name is Danny Massey, <laughs> and I have no defensive coordinator for this season. And I said, well, I ain't doing nothing. He said, well, come on, will you? I said, sure, why not? So I came back to my, my dream school, Brazoswood, was defensive coordinator for a year, for, for actually for a few months. And then once the season was over, our Briars hired me as defense coordinator, special team coordinator at uh, a linebacker coach at University of Houston. Okay. Did that till Art went to Baylor. I decided to uh, to retire again, and uh, <laughs> move back move back down this way. Uh, Dean Diatley called me in the summertime and said, "Hey, I've lost my offensive line coach. Can you help me out?" And I said, "Sure, I'll help you for a season." And five years later, I was still helping him out. Wow. As such, so uh, then I retired again. And then uh, <laughs> they had some coaching changes here, and Mr. Massey called me up. I was at a Brazport playoff game in, in College Station. He said, come on to the press, but I want to talk to you. And they are re redoing. They did not, had not had an athletic director for 10 years. Mm. 
Okay. And he said, hey, uh, won't you be the athletic director and, and get us back to what, let, let's review what an athletic director is because they don't know what it is. Right. And I said, no, 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 I'm happily retired. Anyway, <laughs> he kept bugging me and kept asking me, and finally I said yes. So I did that for three and a half years and uh, got to, to hire a, a good head coach, Joe Del Carey, got to help uh, you yeah, my favorite uh, successor as athletic director, <laughs> my favorite athletic. I, I helped you get school. back into retirement. That's why I'm your favorite, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was planning on going. Here we go. I was got set, moved to College Station, and three days before uh, before spring training starts, Coach Carey's a uh, linebacker coach that he was supposed to bring in called, say he wasn't coming. So mm. all of a sudden, he ain't got a linebacker coach. Well, I've coached those two. Yeah. So uh, I said, "Yeah, I'll volunteer. I'll do that." And <laughs> guess what? Still doing it. So. When, as long as y'all keep me around, I guess it's hard to, <laughs> yeah. it's a great place. I tell yeah. people I'm BISD all the way. I was born in Freeport, grew up like Jackson. They'll better be included. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. So so that is why I said retired-ish. Four times. It just, just kind of comes and goes. And we're going to talk about retirement okay. uh, at some point because you are probably the person to, to fill us in on some things. So. <laughs> Okay, now I'm going to have to uh, put a cap on you on this one because I think if this this podcast could be all about stories and, <laughs> and you could tell a good many stories. So tell us one or two of just your favorite stories, maybe one from high school, one from collegiate or athletic administration and coaching. You, I mean, you choose whatever, but yeah. one or two of your favorite stories. Well, I'll, I'll always remember, of course, the first state championship at Lamarck. And, uh, of course, we had uh, gotten beat two years before. So this was our third third try at it, but it wasn't just the relief of winning a state championship. It was the look on the on the eyes of the kids. These are underprivileged kids. Sometimes they've got yeah. a tough uh, home life, but to see the their eyes that they had accomplished something that would never be taken away from them. And when we opened up those state rings and handed them to mm. them, I won. I had goosebumps, and I still do yeah. every every time I see that. Yeah, that's a good one. And then, uh, of course, when going to, to A&M, which is a, a dream job, getting to coach linebackers for the wrecking crew and, and getting to, uh, to uh, you know, meet Dat Wynn and Dan Campbell and, and coach those guys and, and win a Big 12 championship. I thought this college coaching was easy. It's not mm. nearly as easy as <laughs> it looked. But I'll never forget the feeling after, after those, two, those two experiences right there. Yeah. For yeah. the kids more than anything. So – uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off script a little bit already. Yeah. You you mentioned A and M. I have two questions about this. Yeah. Okay. In in your in your first intro, letting us get to know you, you're you're a University of Texas grad. Yes, sir. And you're a Texas A and M former coach. Yes, sir. Yeah. What's what's that like? I can go either way. I guess is what they say. <laughs> you got to realize my dad graduated from A and M. It was actually. Taught, was a taught there, taught chemistry there. Okay. My mother graduated from University of Texas. How about that? My cousin was the All-American quarterback at the University of Texas. So I've kind of bounced back and forth yeah. all I want to. And so uh, I, I tell people that uh, the University of Texas is, I love the place, don't get me wrong, my alma mater. It's changed a lot, socially especially, mm. since I was there in the late 60s. And uh, A&M is more culturally like Texas was than they are now. But what I tell people, it's real simple. I mean, how do you how do you go from orange to to maroon? I said, well, orange blood and green money turns maroon real quick, <laughs> and Aggies still take care of me with tickets and parking and uh, and uh, medical. I got the same insurance that uh, Jimbo Fisher had, so wow. uh, they they yep. take care of me pretty well. So yep. I, uh, I have a rule: I I never ever 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 pull against Texas, and I always pull for A and M. 
So unless they play each other, which I haven't well, had a problem for a while. Yeah, but fall of 25. Yeah, 24 this year. I'm sorry, yeah, 24. Yes. Yep. Well, this is my theory on that. Okay. Alamodale, it's the last it, game of the season, too, yes, right? Yes, it's going to be a big one. At, at Aggie and, and I've got I'll be right there with a the suite with all my Aggie friends because they've go. got the tickets for me. And this is the way I look at it. I love the technique, the scheme, the coaching part of the game. And who I root for in that game is going to have one hundred percent zero uh, influence on who wins the game. Yeah, so gosh. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to enjoy the schemes. I'm going to say good player. That guy should have done that yeah. and made the best team win. And awesome. And uh, I would. Enjoy the, the atmosphere. Yeah. That's, yeah, my, very that's good. my attitude. Yep. It's going to be a fun year. Tell us a little bit about what you do for A&M now. Um, well, right now, I, when, when Coach Fisher got there, I've always known the coaches that were there, you know, after there. In fact, Coach Sumlin was there when I was there, so I knew all the coaches. Uh, assistant AD is a good friend of mine. When Coach Fisher established his first staff there, there were like three coaches there that I knew very well. Uh, they had a director of high school relations who I had coached with there. Uh, they've actually kind of done away with that in a way. But one of the smartest things I did with A&M was I, uh, I, was, uh, I was the coach that was in charge of kind of making sure when the alumni came to town that they had a good time and went out and that kind of stuff. So I've always stayed in contact with alumni. But uh, basically, uh, I, I go to all the games. I'm, I'm big in Tex Ags. I have, uh, usually have a radio show during the, during the season. Uh, I had an apartment up there. We actually with Ty Warren, who was an All-American there, I happened to recruit. He and I had a, a radio show every Tuesday for, for three years. So uh, now every once in a while, I do some analysis work for, for the radio station. Uh, an hour before all the home games, uh, the local TV, uh, I'm part of their TV pregame show, and I do get analysis of the game coming up. So I'm pretty involved as such with, with the alumni, with the, with, the, with the team as such. And uh, they're, they're, like I say, they're very hospitable to me and yeah. let me stay around. Yeah, very good. Looking, forward, looking forward to the new staff. Yeah. All right. So talk to us about why you first got into the coaching profession. Well, that's a crazy story. I had no, when I was in high school, senior year in high school, I had zero desire to be in coaching. That wasn't even a thought. I was going to go to University of Texas. I was going to play football. I was going to either become an engineer, work in computers, or go into law. That was, that was what I was going to do, figure hmm. out what I got there. And uh, Coach L.Z. Bryan, the godfather of Braswood football, he had just gotten the job. Uh, he had not been able to bring a staff in yet, of course, because this was uh, spring of the, of the year, right at the end of the year. And uh, he was fixed to have spring training. And uh, he needed someone to coach his <laughs> offensive line. And, of course, he asked me one day in the, uh, at Brasport High School in the, uh, in the cafeteria, what are you doing after school? <laughs> I said, nothing. What are you doing? I said, I'm just getting ready to play football in Texas. He says, well, good. Come out and help me coach off at the defensive line. And I said, why not? So uh, after school, I drove down. We, we actually practiced at L LJI. I okay. drove down, showed up the first day, and Coach Brian handed me a whistle and a, and a cap. <laughs> he says, go coach. And I said, what do you want me to do? And he said, go coach. I said, okay. He said, just remember there's two type coaches. Those you have to say giddy up to mm. and those you have to say woe to. Yeah. Never be a giddy up coach. Yes. Ooh, man, and uh, so I coached spring training, uh, and, and I loved it. And then that summer, a good friend of mine asked me to coach summer baseball. It was my second sport, and I loved it. 
And then in the summertime, Coach Brian would give me the keys because coaches couldn't work with the players back there in the summer. Hmm. He'd give me the keys to the facility, and we went out to Braswood with the Braswood football team, and we ran the same type of off-season program that coaches are running now. And I guess I just fell in love with it. And it was my calling, like I said. Yeah. And uh, that's what I wanted to become. So I have an engineering degree from Texas. In case we went 0-10 too many times, <laughs> I could come back to Dow Chemical and get a job. But uh, that was how I got in. I, I got bit by the bug. It was a calling, and it was truly a blessing to uh, do that. And I thank LZ Bryant. Uh, God bless his soul every yeah. moment for it. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so w- what's your draw to coaching today? Has it changed any? I mean, I'm sure it has a little bit over time, but what, what keeps you energized when you hear or think about yourself coaching? Well, it's, it's the kids, 100, 110,000% and the coaching staff. One thing that coaches, and we'll talk about that when you talk about retirement, you miss the most, or you miss the kids, or you miss the camaraderie between staff. Yep. And uh, I was very fortunate that, to look at uh, this staff here. I think we have 18 football coaches, and I think 10 of them were under the age of 30 that first year. Yeah. So I, it was an opportunity to mentor uh, young coaches. Uh, one of them I had coached in high school, was one of my favorite players ever. Uh, so it was an opportunity to do that. And then it was an opportunity to coach kids and make an impact on their lives, both on the field and off the field. And uh, I, I knew the first day I walked into, into spring training and looked around at the linebacker group, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm home, I'm where I need to be. And uh, hours are long and it's, it's tough, but in the end, you know, that, that when the kids come back and some of my best friends in the world are, are in their 60s now, and I coached them at Angleton when I was 22 years old. Mm. Well, kind of along the same lines, but a little bit different. How has coaching changed, the coaching profession? How has yeah. it changed from that first year that you received a salary until <laughs> until now? Well, in, in talking to some of the young coaches now, I'm making $80,000 as an assistant <laughs> and uh, that kind of stuff. My first uh, – Yeah, that's first, a little change. It was $10,000 at Hangleton High School, yeah, teaching Ooh. five classes and, and, and so on, four classes in an athletic period of conference. So that part has changed. <laughs> uh, the facilities, to say the least, have changed, you know, yes. which I'm proud of and being part of. I think uh, some of the big differences is, uh, is uh, the administration and such an emphasis on academic testing, whether you agree with it or not, everything now, all of a sudden now administrators have a scoreboard they have to go up. Mm. So their attitude is different, especially in situations where you have administrators that don't have an athletic background and understand maybe the importance of athletics and how you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing, I, people say, well, kids have changed. I don't think kids have changed. Kids, kids, kids are still kids. Uh, I think their parents have changed a lot. I think uh, the parents are a lot more lenient uh, you realize that my parents grew up in World War II and they made a lot of sacrifices. And their goal was that I and in my generation, that our kids wouldn't have to have it as tough as we as we did. So I think a lot of parents are parenting that way. And the, the, the toughness and the values of athletics, of competition, is, is too easy to quit now, you know, type stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and look at college. I don't like where I'm at. I'll just transfer. That they even right. it's even in college football now. Yeah. You know, I don't like this place. I'll just go down to school down the street. I don't like this place. I'm gonna go home and play uh, video games. You know, type stuff. Yeah. So the commitment and the uh, dedication to to team and camaraderie in the locker room isn't there as much. And I blame a lot because of the parents because they let them do that. My dad always said, if you start something, you're gonna finish it. Then we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest difference. I see some difference in parents. See some difference in an outlook from the administration. 
And you can tell the good administrations that they still value the athletics and the values of what we're teaching there that are going to teach the character building and the determination and the teamwork that it's going to take to be successful in the game of life. It's what, it is what we're here at Educators to do anyway. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So you spent many years as a coach and leading athletic departments. <coughs> Give us your thoughts on why athletic programs are so important. Well, again, I think it's it, it's it, it, you go to school to get a well-rounded education. You get the reading, the writing, the arithmetic up at up at the classroom. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. But then there's the other thing. It's when you get in the real world, you're gonna have to be able to use that and put that to use and put that to use as a team and with other people and work with other people. And there's gonna be ups and downs, and there's gonna be failures, and there's gonna be wings that don't work, and you have to be able to adapt and adjust. And I think that's what athletic teaches you. It teaches you when the going gets tough, the tough get going. It teaches you to work as a team. It teaches you if you first don't succeed, then find a way to, to make it successful because that's what we're looking for. Yep. And then it also teaches you that, that you have to learn from failure. You only fail, you fail to try. And so uh, it teaches you those values, and it, it gives you the complete education that the kids need now, nowadays. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm reading Brian Johnson's book, uh, new book, Arate, uh-huh. right now. And in there, he talks about you either win or you learn. Yes. And learning is winning. Yes. So you either win or you win. Yes. As long as you're learning. And so that, that I thought that went hand in hand a little Perfect. bit with what you just said. I mean, yeah. it's it, it's how you handle adversity the lessons you get from it and and do you apply those lessons or do you do you let it defeat you which is kind of the soft side going back a qu- yes. couple of questions and you just kind of cower to you know the tough life right or you can learn for it or learn from it and get better well nick saban said there's two choices in life you make is it's the uh, you know you do what you know you know you have to do something and it's tough and you do it or you know but you don't have to do it but you know it's good to do it and you decide to do it or there's something that you might do and you don't have to do it, so you don't do it. So you make the right choices in athletics. You make that sacrifice choice to don't make you better and your teammate better, and you realize in the long run you're going to be better because right. of it. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about building a staff. And yes. so you, you, you're going to be able to take this from head football coach perspective, but also the athletic director yes. perspective, and you're, you're developing your, your, your entire staff. So – it's extremely important. Uh, what is your favorite non-X's and O's interview question? Or, or what is one of the things that beyond the game you want to really draw out and learn from somebody as you're looking to hire them? I want to know what their plans are five years from now. I want to know, are they satisfied with being a ninth-grade volleyball coach? Mm. Are they satisfied with being the uh, a junior high coach? Because there's places for all those type people. Yeah. Are they... I want to be a coordinator. I want to be a head coach by the time I'm 30. That was my goal, as such. So I want to know what they are, what they are, their their plans are. Yeah. And the second thing is, is I want to know how are you going to make our kids better people, along with better athletes. I'll show you the X's and O's. I'll teach you how to coach, but how are you going to make them better people? Yeah. And those are kind of the character buildings of, of the coach, and in those type of deals, along with then. What are your plans? And then you have to figure out, I mean, putting a staff together is like putting a big puzzle together. And everybody's a piece of the puzzle. And you have to figure out whether this person you're interviewing has got a piece that will fit into your puzzle yeah. as, as such. Yeah. I, I love your analogy earlier 
the the giddy up versus woe. Yes. Like most like definitely. give me a woe guy that doesn't know the X's and O's. Yes. Versus the giddy up guy that does know the X's and O's. That's right. I, I want somebody who's willing to work. Yes. I don't want to coach coaches. Once they know that program, they need to go out and coach. I don't need to be encouraging them. we got enough. If a coach has to be encouraged, they're not encouraging kids. We have enough encouragement. 100%. We have to encourage kids. we got to be spending all our time getting our yep. kids to be to be woke kids. Where they Not woke, but woke kids. Yes. Where they giddy up kids. There are too many giddy up kids today. Yes. So that's the type of coach we're looking for. Enthusiasm breeds enthusiasm. Yeah. That type of stuff. Sure, they have to have a knowledge. They have to be good teachers. And I've always said this since day one. A good coach is a good teacher. He has to just do it. Mm-hmm. Because if you put if you're one of those teachers that just puts it on the board and the kids don't get it and that's their fault, not my fault, that's a bad teacher. Mm-hmm. If you're a coach and you put it on the board and they don't get it, you find another way till they do get it. Yeah. And that's what coaching teaches people. Yeah. So you take that into the classroom also. So I always say, you're gonna be a teacher. And I'm not saying you're being a teacher first or second. You're going to also be a teacher. You're and both. It's right. not either or. It is both. And if you're a good coach, you'll be a good teacher because your goal is to help kids. Yep, 100%. Fun fact for everybody out there listening, just this is we're recording this on a Monday just last week, so two school days ago, I think, uh-huh. I was just meeting with a principal about the coaching staff and uh-huh. the job that they do up up uh, in the in the classrooms in the hallways and what do they bring to the academic side of the of the campus yes. and are they are, are are they are fit or do we need to start having discussions and so those conversations do happen and so it's super important to take what you just said and, and make sure that we're we're being excellent in, in all aspects of our job yes so coach Waddell will advise time what Uh-oh. advice would you give to coaches seeking to advance their careers to either get into athletic administration, an AD, or to advance from an assistant coach to a head coach role? Well, first of all, uh, make sure that first head coaching job is a good one. Otherwise, <laughs> it might be your last. And uh, it's head coaching is not all it's made up to be. The buck does stop with you. There are definitely more headaches and all. Mm-hmm. But it's it's I would uh, I would suggest study your head coach study see how much your philosophy is as his. Too many times people young coaches want to be head coaches. I want to be like Nick Saban. I want to be like Dabo Sweeney. I want to be like someone else. No, you got to be like yourself mm-hmm. and picture how you would do the job and kind of picture yourself not doubting or questioning your present head coach, but how would you do a little different and. Think about it all the way. Would it work out? And learn that he might be right and you might be wrong. So be very careful and learn to that. But it's a, it's a process. Uh, some people are not made to be head coaches. Some right. are, made, are, are head coaches naturally can be very young and very quickly. They're very successful because of it. But realize that being a head coach is not just X's and O's, running a staff and figuring out whether we're going to practice in the rain or not. It is a total community involvement. It's a total school involvement. You are the face of the school district. And so be prepared for that. Be prepared for the time it takes. See how your family is going to react to the, you being there a lot less. Right. It is now becoming quality time rather than quantity time because your quantity time is going to be out. As far as an administrator goes, that's where you have to take off your whatever one sport you have, cat, 
and be able to put multiple hats on. Mm -hmm. You want every sport to be successful. You want every kid to be successful. You also have to learn before you just see it, there's other things besides the field. You got to deal with budgets. You got to deal with maintenance. You got to deal with character building and problems like that. Mm -hmm. You got to deal with coaches that are head coaches that have all different personalities. And you have to deal with parents at a totally different level. And I think your biggest job as an athletic administrator is to be that buffer zone that when the head coach or the campus person cannot solve the problem, you're the one that's going to get this problem done so it doesn't have to go across the street right. to the people who've got a lot of other important things to do. Right. So it's it's not just, hey, I'm an AD and you know I sit in a big office and I go to a bunch of games and watch people do this and that. It is a full-time, totally different job. And you also have to to be very careful that, yeah, I was a football coach, now I'm the AD, and, well, I'm not sure. I would have done it this way or I would have done it that way. You can't do that. Let the coaches coach. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. The, what I would add to, to that to a degree, if you are the head football coach, in some situations you'll be head football athletic director. Yes. In other situations you will likely be head football coach campus coordinator. Yes. Unless it's a small town and you actually have a split AD head football yes. coach. And I did then, both. And I've then who both. knows what you might be. Yeah. The advantage that the 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 head football coach slash coordinator has is there's that little bit of OJT uh, prior to becoming a, a straight athletic director. Definitely. The, now, there's still some learning curve there. It's not everything, <laughs> but they're getting to handle – uh, a lot of stuff, and and as the AD, and you, you'll know this, you, you're going to allow your people, meaning your your two coordinators, to you're going to delegate, just like a head yeah. coach delegates yeah. some things, but you delegate to their capabilities, their strengths, and then also to build some of their weaknesses to prepare them for that next step. the The downside, if you're you know like me, I was a head soccer coach, and in the districts that I was going to that I was in, like head soccer was not going to be a campus coordinator G girls or boys it, that was pretty much reserved for well football was was the boys coordinator and, and uh girls basketball right. was was tied to uh the uh, girls coordinator or assistant coordinator so what i would tell those sports that you know you just can't work your way into a coordinator role is find a way to help those people yes you know do, do that extra you know, do do your job and then find something else to do so you can gain some experience. And it might even be getting experience from an AP. Because oh, yeah. in this role, you need to know at least a little bit how the campus works. Right. Um, and, I mean, that is so valuable. So don't be afraid to, just because you don't have the title, to go try and dip your feet or your toes yes. uh, to, to a certain extent into that work to better prepare you a little bit. But I would just tell everybody at the end of the day, you're going to get this job. Uh, regardless of what level it is, and you are going to learn on the job. It's, you're not going to prepare ahead of time, just like going from teacher to AP. You can do all the college stuff you want. You're going to learn as soon as you get in that role. That first year is going to be like drinking from a fire hydrant. It is. It's no different. Hands off. No different. No so, difference at all. Yeah. Don't don't let any of those things you know, keep you from it because it's an awesome job. And also, like you just said, uh, to the, the the old picture, you know, I remember as athletic director, I would, uh, I'd volunteer to work, maybe take a spot of an AP during graduation. Mm. You know, I'd go up to the cafeteria, stand around, hey, you got something to do, I'll stand here. And if I'm going to be at a, 
at a soccer game or a baseball game. There's no need for the ministry in charge to be there and me be there also. I'll go right. home, enjoy your time. Yeah. You know, so you kind of picture the whole picture. Yep. And they like that a lot too. You make a lot of friends. Oh, yeah. Way. Heck yeah. Yeah. And put a little coins in the bank too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you mind talking a little bit about retirement? Sure. I've done okay. it four times. Yeah. <laughs> you might be somewhat of an expert. Um, all right. What's the first piece of advice you can give someone nearing retirement? Plan ahead. So we're, we're a year out. We're two yep. years out. Where, where do we start? How far out? First thing, first thing you got to do is very definitely check with TRS. Make sure financially you understand exactly what, what that's going to be. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, talk to your family about it. Know, know the difference. You're going to be around the house a lot more. <laughs> you know, that wife might, might not. Maybe that type of stuff. Um, then I think you kind of gradually go into it. You just don't want to wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to retire today. Right. I think you kind of plan of it. Picture yourself not there with the staff. Picture yourself not there with the kids and see how it feels. That, yeah. I think that's the big thing. That's, yeah, that's good. That's, that's what kind of slowly retire as such and, uh, and go, from, go from there. Yeah, so you mentioned TRS. Yeah. When would you suggest somebody first talking to TRS? We're still full-time employee. Right. How far out? Uh, I, I usually talk to them. Let's say I'm planning to retire at the end of the 2024-25 school year. Okay. I would talk to them in January of the, 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 the year before, the, the spring of the year before that was going to be my last year. That way I knew exactly what my options were financially and all that. And then I would also make sure I understood the rules for retiree-hire, both the state rules and the local district rules, mm -hmm. because there's nothing wrong with maybe coming back and working part-time, you know, coming back right. and doing some things, and gradually, rather than that cold turkey getting out of it, being able to get that. That's, but that's yeah. how I did it, and that's how... I survived because I was coming back part-time half gotcha. a day and that kind of stuff. So I would definitely say uh, 18 months before you're going to retire, okay. get your financial ducks in order, make sure you know about insurance. They, there's no curveballs. So that you could use that last year, that's behind you, and now you can kind of confirm your plans and say, is this really what I want to do? Yep. Okay. So what I just heard was if you're going to retire at the end of the 24-25 school year, so probably you're a June 2025 retiree, yes. then you would start talking with TRS like right now. Right now, this time All of right, year. Very good. This time of year. Okay. Kind of going a little bit deeper. Like we said, you're, you're kind of an expert right now on, <laughs> on re retirement and TRS. So w what have you learned that would be an important experience about retirement that you just don't know until you know. So something that you experience and you're like, oh, I had no idea about that. So yeah. that would help somebody else. Well, first of all, when you're in retirement, make sure you, you've got a list of things you do every day. You got a list five, six, seven things. Don't do them all the same day. <laughs> You'll be bored as hell the next two days. <laughs> Spread that stuff out. You, it, it, you know, in, in athletics and coaching, everything's a hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. There's deadlines to everything. When you retire, there are no deadlines. Spread that out. Enjoy <laughs> it. Take an extra nap. That kind of stuff. <laughs> that is the biggest thing I could tell you. The other thing is get your bucket list and start doing it. Yeah. Before you know it, it'll, it'll be too late. You won't be able to, especially physically, you know, to be able to uh, – 
to do some of the things that could yeah. be on your bucket list. And the third thing is never lose contact with your players and with, with the coaching. I can remember when I was up here part-time, a um, long time, and, and LZ Bryan would always, he'd just come by, you know, especially on Monday to see Coach D'Alley. Hmm. And he would always, he, he would come by sometimes after the win because everybody's highly great. He was, he was always come by after a loss because hmm. he wanted to pick them up. Because gotcha. that's when no one comes by and says hello. That's, oh, yeah. That's it. So stay in contact with your coaching friends. Stay in contact with your players. Those young guys are grown men now. You know, and you've had yeah. an impact on their life. Yeah. And so uh, stay in contact, stay active, but uh, don't do that honey-do list on one day or you'll be bored as heck for <laughs> the next three days. I, I do have to disagree with one point that you made, though. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> there are some deadlines in retirement. Oh, yeah. Like, y- you have to make sure that your passport's all up what, to date. There is a deadline. Which is you, all my things to do today. Yeah, exactly. Because you want to you want to take that cruise, you need that passport. I am leaving here and going to the post <laughs> office and getting an updated picture to be able to send my passport in because I hope I plan to go to London this summer. So London exactly. Summer. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so there are timelines. I just got off a cruise. I go, oh, my passport's expired in six months. I got to get into it. Oh, man. Same thing to... with your driver's license today. Oh. So, yeah, those yeah. type deals. Yeah, I need to check my But passport. the flower bed. It'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, it will. <laughs> it will. It'll also be there the following week. That's exactly yeah. right. All right, so uh, let's let's kind of get back to coaching as we work to finish this thing out. <coughs> you know, I couldn't have you on without asking somewhat of a simple question. High school or college? You wouldn't realize I get that asked all the time, of course. That is the number one. Okay. Besides the Texas and A&M, yeah. the, the college is. And this is how I describe it. Okay. Okay. Coaching in college, coaching football is like flying a plane. Flying a plane in high school is like flying a plane for Southwest Airlines. Coaching in college is like flying it for the U.S. Air Force. Oh, okay. <laughs> there are so many things you do in high school in addition to just flying the plane. You've got to deal with the parents every day. You've got to deal with administration. You've got to teach a class. You're, you you see your players an awful lot more than you do in college, and they're at their age where you have a much bigger impact yeah. type stuff. Um, you've got a community that you're going to win or lose a lot basically on your talents you got, whether they mm-hmm. live, live in your district. College is a dog-eat-dog pressure when at all costs. And it's recruiting and getting kids to come to your school and selling it. And everything you do every day is concentrating on your position players and getting better position players in there. And it's not all, you know, focus, focus, focus on that. So it is a the pressure of coaching college. And a lot of it's self-pressure. You know, that's, that's true because there's pressure in either way. Yeah. But, but, I mean, there was pressure at Lamarck winning state championships, you know, type stuff. There was pressure to, yeah. in, in coaching to get that player to be the best he can and solve his off-the-field problems and help him with his parents. But the pressure in college is much more. Just like I've never flown for the U.S. Air Force, but one of my players was with the Thunderbirds. Mm. And uh, there was pressure to make sure that that 12-inch difference between those yeah. tips of plates was 12 <laughs> inches and not three. Yeah, There was pressure. So yeah. the pressure and the – I want to say the thrill, the adrenaline rush and all that in playing and coaching before 110,000 people, you know, yeah. is is a thrill as such. I bet. But 
then there's also the impact you make because the pilot of that Southwest Airlines jet's got to make sure the customers are fine and there's problems here and all the things, the schedules are worked out and all that. So it's a totally different world. Yeah. X's and O's are the same. You know, you're just dealing with a lot faster people that can do it a lot better. But, but, uh, but that's that's the difference. It's it's like hmm. it's like Air Force and Southwest Airlines. Yeah. And there and there might be other levels that I just got to thinking. I'm like mm, yeah. crop duster. And <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those <laughs> skydiving crop dusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, there are levels. Good, good answer. If Coach Waddell could rewind the clock, uh, w- would you change anything? Let's see. I'd have caught a timeout on first and from ten <laughs> in the twenty in the state championship game and gotten organized better. <laughs> yeah, those things kind of always always dig with you. I don't think so, because I think God's got a plan. And even when things don't go right, and you say, "Well, maybe I should have done it a different way," in the long run, it work it works out. You know, when take that job, don't take that job. Well, I should no, you didn't, because it worked out best. So, I'm one of these people that I try not to make rash, quick decisions. I know you have to sometimes, but I guess it's the engineering background. I try to logically think it out. And then once you make a decision, you go with it, and you don't look back. I've never been a look back. I wish I had a type of person. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, in counseling some kids today about going to college, I say, you 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 think about it, you sleep on it, you you think about it again, you sleep on it, you pray about it, and then when you make your decision, you never look back. So, yeah, there there have been some things different, I'm sure, down the road, little things here and there, but major major deals. No, I should. I wish I'd gone with Art Browse to Baylor <laughs> instead of retired for the fourth time. You know, that was a great experience, and I decided just not to do it because I was mm. getting old and tired, and my bucket list was getting long. But uh, yeah. other, other, if I could say that not going to Baylor with with Art Browse is the only only uh, coaching mistake I made, and, and since when I started this job in 1973, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about myself. Yeah. It's been a good career. Been good calling. Yeah, let me ask you this. You you mentioned um, kind of coaching kids through what I assume was like a, a college choice. The the athletes coming out of high school today making a decision about where they want to go play. Yes. So athletes that could, could continue their playing days. How is today's portal impacting those kids? It's, it's killing them. I was talking to a coach just the other day, and he said this is the absolute worst year to be a high school kid. But you got to realize that there are so many fourth, fifth, six-year-old players out there, you know, 22, 23 years old still in college because, first of all, the COVID year, all these kids mm-hmm. were in the COVID year, so that didn't count. So if I'm a true freshman in 2020, I'm a true freshman in 2021. Wow. So in 2021, if I play four games get redshirt, I'm a redshirt freshman in 22. If I get hurt the first three games in 22, I'm still a redshirt freshman. So I've still got – Four years to play, and I've been to that school for three years already. Wow. And then with the portal, the pressure on college coaches, they can turn a program around by, I'll bring 40 portal kids in. Yeah. Well, that's killing high school kids because SMU's taking like seven high school kids. Three Five years ago, they took 21. Wow. So it's a trickle-down effect. I was talking to a coach uh, from a D2 school just the other day, and he says, we are recruiting nothing but kids that were D1 uh, FCS type of caliber at least because they're having to find a place to stay yeah. because the portal, which sounds real good. I'm going to go and keep, keep jumping in it. I saw the stats yesterday. There's 1600 kids that got the portal. 
52% of them got scholarships. The other 48 didn't have a place to land. Half of those didn't have their scholarships to go back to because they had been replaced. Mm. So now you've got 400 kids or so that haven't graduated yet, don't have a place to go. So now they're looking as a preferred walk-on and are taking, again, spots that all these things were by high school kids. Wow. So the portal has, and that NIL, I think I think uh, Ohio State spent $13 million in the last three weeks on NIL money, hmm. you know, giving some 17-year-old kid a million dollars to know have any idea how he's going to spend it, you know. They wow. need to. But until the NCAA gets involved and says, you, okay, you get 10 portal transfers a year. That's it. You're not taking 55 or 70 or 80 or whatever like that. And the NIL now becomes, I mean, yeah, the quarterback's important, but he's not the offensive line. So you can have NIL, but you pool it with all your kids. Right. And you pull it in a way like Utah did, which is give every one of their football players, all 105 of them, a brand-new truck to drive as long as they stayed and played football. Yeah. So the the team aspect yep. and be able to do that for all sports that way. Yep. But uh, unfortunately, college athletics, especially football, has become nothing but money, money, money. And everything is driven by money. Money is driven by interest. And interest means win. And alumni who want to put that money in want to win. Right. So it has become a very much dog-eat-dog. Coaches, it used to be before that the, you know, when a kid commits, he would go there. Then it went to, well, kid commits, and he still looks around and decommits. Well, now, kid can commit. And seven days before signing day, the, the school might call them up and say, hey, uh, we need a tight end that can play right away. You're two, year, two years away. We're not going to honor your commitment. And the kid's left with nothing. Wow. I mean, that is, that's unethical to me. Right. And I didn't grow up that way. R.C. Yeah. Slocum and Art Browse would have never done that to a kid. But that's where we are in college athletics, the meanness of it, because it's all driven by money, and it's all driven by I have to win, and I have to win right away. And... I have to be nice to these kids I got because they can leave after a year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, so it's it's uh, the worst thing that's ever happened to high school it, athletics. Put it that way. It's definitely the worst thing that's happened to high school athletics yes. and, and athletes for sure. Yes. Uh, I, I also just think it's it, it's the worst thing that hap- has happened to college. Like oh, to yeah. me, college has become you know uh, another. You know the the lower league of the NFL. It's all it is. I mean, it, it's not what college used to be. It was fun. Yes. You know, it, well, it a, just a, it changes so much now. A kid can he he signs, and then let's say in two years his coach leaves, so he can go somewhere else. Then he doesn't like it there. He goes somewhere else. Then he yeah. can graduate and go somewhere else. So in a six year period of time, he can go to five schools. Yeah. I mean, where's the commitment? Where's the yeah. loyalty? You know, it's it's what it's gone now. It's what's in for me. How much NIL money can you give me for me to come to your school? Mm-hmm. Rather than I need a good education, you can get me a job afterwards yep. and, and that kind of stuff. And, yep. and the trouble with it, of course, even for the smaller schools like the D2 schools now that are recruiting D1 football players, well, those D, those players are going to be very good players. And in two years, guess what they're going to do? They're going to get in the portal they're and leave. Man. So now the D2 is just a minor league for the D1ers. Yes. Yep. And it, it, it's not the spirit <laughs> of the game. It's not how it's, it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's not how it's intended to be. Yeah. And until we get back to making college football like it was, a, a college experience where you where you realize that you're a college athlete 10, 12, 14 hours a week, and the rest of the time you're a student, 
getting an education, having fun, doing what students do, mm-hmm. and getting a job afterward, and that degree means something, it, we're in a mess. Yep. We're in a mess. Yeah. Well, more of a let's let's end with kind of a lighthearted. Uh, what's next for Coach Waddell aside from the the trip to December <laughs> to London? Uh, so you, you're somewhat of a a cruise expert, also. Yes, twenty seven cruises in the last uh, 20, 20 years. Yeah, twenty years. Wow. Uh, I, I have been all over the world in cruises. Uh, now I go on different boats because I like to see the difference in boats. So I thought about you. Oh, it's it was this weekend. Uh huh. I saw a commercial. For Utopia of the Seas, oh, Royal Caribbean, yes. coming out in 24. And, yes. and it, <laughs> I, I thought, is this a theme park? Like, yes. I didn't know what it was. They are. And, just, and then I knew at the end that it was a Royal Caribbean yeah. ship. Yeah. It, it was crazy. So I thought, ah. 6,000 people. That you ship. were just telling me about people. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just got off one last week. Just got off the ship last week. <laughs> Brand new ship. Hadn't been on before. So it's a uh, cruise ships. I like them because I can do something or I can do nothing. My right. first one to ever go on was in 2003, and uh, this was three college football players from A&M. So I'm 52 years old, and <laughs> it was interesting. I was, I was challenged, <laughs> to say the least. We had a great time. They wanted, they wanted uh, me to go because their parents would feel better if I was a supervisor. But uh, in the end, I'm not sure who was supervising who. Right. I was, was going to say, did time. you hold up? I held up. I was tough. <laughs> Back in the day, I could used to do that. But yep. uh, the kids keep me young. That's that's the whole thing here. Yep. I mean, I'm working out with, with linebackers now, you know, lifting weights and yep. staying in shape. And uh, Coach Kerry hasn't asked me back next year, so we'll see what he says. <laughs> we'll He's the see boss. see what happens. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I hope to do this for as long as I can physically. It keeps my mind sharp. Same with kids. keeps you young. keeps your mind sharp. Right. It's just 72 hours a week when you're 72 years old is – but, oh, man. A little taxing. A little taxing. But okay. I enjoy it. I love the company. I love this place. And – and it's, uh, it's uh, like I said, I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for Bradsport ISD, so this is the only place I'd do that for. Yeah, well, somewhat coming full circle to your beginning, I, I appreciate you uh, accepting Mr. Massey's offer to be the athletic director because you brought that back. <laughs> and then, you know, three-plus years later, uh, you decided to retire again, and, and now here I am. So yeah. it's been awesome, you know, following you. And um, you've always Love been it. open and, and, you know, we have good conversations yes, have. when you're around. So great, great relationship. Uh, we have different backgrounds. Yes, but we have the same purpose to make kids better kids. Absolutely, and we can win games along the way. Yep, absolutely. Well, coaches, great sharing this time with you, and uh, thanks for taking some time out of the day. I know you've got a busy day. You're, you're going to check a few things off your list. Got to get a haircut today. You got to get a haircut. Got a haircut. You work a little bit. I got to get a passport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm going to let you get to those things because they're important. But thanks again for taking the time and and sharing this with us. Anytime. Appreciate it, Jay. Thank you very much for everything you do for the school district. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you.